Hi, everyone, and welcome into the fourth episode of Panthers Pathway here on the Pit Talk Network, a part of the Fan First Sports Network, talking all things Pit Athletics, especially Pit Football. Here today, I'm Austin Bechtel, joined alongside Dominic Campbell, our good friend from Pittsburgh Sports Now. Dom, I was with you on Saturday at West Virginia. It's great to have you on. It wasn't as great to sit there and watch the Panthers' performance. Overall, what were your thoughts in the West Virginia game? Ended up being just a all-around unfortunate loss for Pitt where so many things went wrong in the backyard brawl. Yeah, I suppose we should probably start with the most important issue, I suppose, the quarterback. Um, Phil Dracovic has been one of the worst quarterbacks in college football this season. I, I, that's not even um, being uh, – like like an, an out, like just me being angry, he statistically has been one of the worst quarterbacks in college football. Um, his past two games have been terrible, but even combined with a decent game against Wofford, I think his completion percentage is second worst, and his passing yards are second worst as well in the NCAA. But I mean, he's, he's bad all around. He's just been really, really, really poor. Um, yeah, and the game was terrible. He was really bad. Three interceptions. Um, it's the most for a pick quarterback in the brawl since Rod Rutherford did it in 2003. But important to note that Rod Rutherford also threw for four touchdowns in that game, something that Phil Jacoby chose not to do, did not throw a touchdown. Um, he's the last player in the brawl to not throw a touchdown and also threw less than 100 yards um, since uh, Pat Bostic did in 2007. But as everyone knows, 2007, Pitt had that big, big upset, 13-9. Um, they can use that against West Virginia until – eternity i think so uh, that's my point like he was so bad in this game uh just some of his throws were uh ridiculous uh ridiculously bad i think one of the interceptions he had bob mean was like bob means who he met who he targeted 11 times against cincinnati did not complete a single pass to um in the game against west virginia i think i I don't know what interception was either first or a second but his intent that was his intended target but he threw the ball like 15 yards short so West Virginia defensive back just jumped in the air, made the easiest catch of his entire career for a pick. And it was just that, that was just kind of the story of the game. I think once you realize he can't throw the ball, which he really couldn't do against Cincinnati, despite having three touchdowns. I mean, 10 for 32 is embarrassing stat line. Um, yeah, that was the worst part of it. I think you can't win football games when your quarterback can't throw the ball, when your offense is predicated on your the offense being moved by the quarterback. I mean, yeah, they run the ball every now and then. They ran the ball, what, 11 t- straight times on the first drive, and then, yeah. which was their most successful drive. They took six, seven minutes off the clock and got right down to the three-yard line. But the problem is when they know you're running the ball every down, they'll just load the box, send eight, nine def- defensive players straight into the offensive line. I mean, they'll, it's easy in the box, like on the goal line to stop them. They did, so they forced a field goal. That was kind of it. After that, the, the offense couldn't move, and it was just an awful, awful performance from the pit offense. But mainly because of Phil Dracovic, he couldn't throw the ball. I mean, what are you going to do if you can't throw the ball? I could crap. I could give a lot of crap about pass protection and the the wide receivers not making a catch and running backs not being good enough. But I mean, if your quarterback can't throw the ball, it just the rest of the offense just becomes mute, like to complain about. I suppose. Yeah, usually you know I start off by saying how you doing, and you know what, Dom, I think you explained how. Every Pitt fan is doing right now Yeah, <laughs> by just watching this team. So I just remember sitting there and watching it all play out. And, you know, Pitt was doing a very solid job on that first drive of running yeah. the football. But when you don't even mix a pass in and there wasn't a completion until I think two and a half minutes into the second quarter by either side. I mean, when we're talking about high flying offenses, 
explosive passing attacks. The new realm of what college football has become. Caleb Williams spinning it uh, as the Heisman winner last year. Could win it again this year. That's what a lot of people think college football is. And the backyard brawl looks like a game from 1953 this past week. Yeah, both teams are bad. Um, I don't even think West Virginia fans should be happy with that performance. Uh, there's their star prize backup quarterback was scared and afraid against, I mean, to be fair, Pitt does have a good defense. I'll give them credit right now. They have the, they've given up the least amount of yards in the first three games. And that includes two power five teams. So, I mean, you can't complain about that stat line. I wrote, I just wrote a column about why the Pitt defense deserves more, but we can talk about that later. But like, he was not very good. Nico Marchiol. Yeah. was not very good court, like six for 10. I mean, granted, I give him credit for coming in because Garrett Green was supposed to start. He did, but he got injured in the, what, four plays in, I think into the West Virginia offense offensive game planning on the second drive so yeah. i mean he wasn't he that great i don't think he didn't it was lose them the game no I, I mean they ran the ball well but that's the strength is running the ball but the problem is again i think west virginia fans will have a problem the rest of the season because if they can't throw the ball just as pit fans are realizing now that they can't throw the ball it's gonna be a long season <laughs> that that's that's the most disappointing part about the game it was really bad compared to last season which was an incredible game all around uh this season was a pile of crap on national television Saturday. Yeah, it's been it's been poor. The Panthers were on the CW. It was the first ACC game on the CW against Cincinnati. That was not a good display in front of a new audience, national TV type of audience. And then ABC, where all the games that were good that week, there weren't as many as there are going to be coming up this week, which seems like murderer's row of fantastic after fantastic after fantastic game. And then there's Pitt in prime time. <laughs> As well, during the same time slot as the Whiteout, Ohio State, Notre Dame, um, Alabama, Ole Miss, I think this week. So a, a ton of huge games coming up. So it's it obviously starts under center with Phil Dracovic and how how poor he's played. Did not throw for 100 yards. The two interceptions for me, when I watched them and went back and watched them again and again and again, he's got happy feet in the pocket. How is he's just trying to do too much and throw into double and triple coverage. He's just not taking the simplified approach and even just dumping it off over the middle and cutting your losses, whether you can't get the ball deep, just sometimes you do have to play it safe. If you're Phil Dracovic, he's not even doing that well. Yeah. I think one of the best passes of the night was when he had Daniel Carter, who granted, I don't think should be someone you're throwing the ball to. I think he's a good third down back. He's a very strong runner, but I don't think he's the best receiver for a running back, but he threw the ball right at his feet. Just threw it at his feet. He didn't even complete the five yard pass. In front of him. Like Daniel Carter was just like, "What? Well, what are you doing? Throw me the ball!" Like it's just like oh, he the just second, makes everything worse. I don't know how to explain it, but he just the, makes everything harder than it needs to be. The second interception, I thought he was throwing the ball deeper down the field. I don't know if it was going to Bob Memes, but there was one on one coverage further on down the field. It was like they ran the receivers ran the same exact route, just a ten yards of separation. And Dracovic threw into the double coverage instead of the single coverage further down the field. Yeah, I think I just I spoke about that earlier. Just like he threw the under threw the ball like under threw Bub Means like twenty yards. So yeah. I literally had to look. It was like hilarious. I was like, okay, the ball's gonna go here. Oh wait, it's over here. <laughs> Interception. I was just like, really? Like I he can't. I don't know what he can do right. I just think like. It's, if he couldn't throw the ball for, far downfield, I'd be like, okay, well, we'll just mix up some sm shorter passing plays. Maybe that would work, but he can't even do those properly. Like, uh, yeah. Going into North Carolina, another ranked team, you got him at home. What do you want to see Frank Signetti do? I mean, Pat Narduzzi pretty much this week in his press conference 
there's one thing I want to get to, and I think you know what it is coming up right after this part. But Narduzzi basically said, yeah, I just kind of focus 80% of my time on the defensive side of the ball. I don't really – I let Frank handle the offensive part. Well, I, I mean, the defense for Pitt has been brilliant the last four or five seasons with Randy Bates, so I don't really have an issue with Narduzzi focusing on the side of the ball if that's what he's best at. But the problem is you need an offensive coordinator that has an idea of what they're doing. Maybe I can say Frank Cignani isn't entirely responsible for how bad Phil is playing, but he brought Phil in immediately. The second Phil went in the transport, I was like, okay, Slovis is going to go. Phil is going to come in. That's that's Frank's guy. They were successful in 2020, but it's not 2020 anymore. We're 2023. Phil's in his sixth year, and Signetti's in his second year, and he's been bad. He's had bad quarterback play both seasons. I don't know how much I can really put on him. I'm not like an offensive coordinator guru myself, but I can see that this team is not very good offensively and they're just wasting good defensive performances. So like, and it's mostly just quarterback play. I can't even say the running game's bad because the quarterback is not good enough. So that affects everything. If they think you can't run the ball, if you can't throw the ball well, then they think you can't do anything well. And that just gives confidence to an opposing defense you don't want. So I don't, I don't know what Signetti can do other than bench him really. I think there's no reason he should play. I know Carl and I were arguing whether he should have started against West Virginia, but I said he shouldn't have because he was so poor against Cincinnati. And his comments after the game, blaming fans for booing and just saying they're not grown enough. You're a grown man. You shouldn't be booing. It's like, well, you're almost 24. I'm sorry. You're not 18. And people aren't going to feel sorry for you at this age, especially after last season, how bad quarterback play was. So Saturday might be ugly. I guess we can get into that too. Yeah, Dom, did you know we lived in Boo City, PA? Yeah, we live in Boo City, PA. That, when he said that, I was like, what? That was my, <laughs> I love that so much. I thought that was so funny for no reason. Yeah, like, it was just, it was a very normal question. I, uh, I think Amanda Gossett, she asked, like, how are you guys going to deal with the boos this weekend if, like, Phil plays bad again? Because they will boo. I mean, like, I don't think Pitt fans or Pittsburgh fans in general are big booers. I don't think that's really a thing as much as Narduzzi might try to make it like he tried. And, and also part of that quote, he was like, Oh, I think they're booing me. And I'm like, Pat, like they might boo you, but they're booing Phil. Phil is not playing well. He's a grown, he's a grown man as he would say, and he's not playing well. He's the main reason the team is being bad because like, I can't even analyze whether the receivers are doing anything wrong because the passes are so poor. It's like, well, everyone can see that. You don't need to be an analyst or some, the smartest person in the, in the room to understand that Phil's just, not playing well and if you're a fan you pay money you're like well this is unacceptable i'm gonna boo people are gonna do that i mean any anywhere in the country they would probably boo him I, what where is he playing good enough for anyone he's the second worst completion percentage in fbs is that, is that acceptable at this level i don't think it is wonder what the the worst guy is what are the treatments like there uh it's skyler Thompson or Robertson from Baylor, it's a little bit lower, but it's not much lower. It's like 45% versus 47%. So I think they're, they, they are both the only two quarterbacks in college will have a lower than 50% completion percentage throughout the first three games of the season. And it's That's, not like Phil was, you know, wildly successful at Notre Dame or Boston College. I mean, why were expectations so high coming into this year? Well, I mean, they did do pretty well in 2020. It's 17 touchdowns, five interceptions at, at Boston College. I mean, no one gives respect to Boston College at all for valid and maybe un, you know, a bit mean reasons, but it's not really a football school, is it? Even though that's probably more of a football school than a basketball school. But they've been poor recently in the last few years. But yeah, I mean, Phil, 
I guess because he could run the ball. I think Slovis, who on for some reason is getting a lot of praise from Pitt fans who have not watched how he's played. I know a lot of BYU fans are complaining he's not been good enough. And the stats have shown he's not been great. But he couldn't run the ball last year. So they knew he was just going to sit in the pocket, get scared, and make a mistake, or just get sacked. And for Jerkovic, Dracovic, people expect him to move around and get out of situations kind of like Kenny did. Like Kenny Pickett, as much as the O-line was better during his the end of his time, he was able to scramble and make plays, keep keeping an offense or keeping the opposing defense on their heels. So like they expected him to do at least do that, even if he wasn't a great passer of the ball. But he simply can't throw the ball. I I, I just think like if you're having rival players say, Oh, he he isn't too good at a press conference following the game kind of embarrassing for the whole team really oh yeah we knew that he wasn't too good at his job yeah beanie uh bishop right beanie from bishop yeah that's that's embarrassing that's, that's oh, i'd be extremely ex- angry if i was on the offense or defense honestly listen to that crap i was in the room when i when that was said and i just <laughs> i looked at mike asty and i was like was that actually said did beanie bishop really come after phil Dracovic like that and say i mean obviously a rivalry you want to you know, go after your guys and especially be just so excited that you won the game, the rivalry, especially after last year. But, man, the bluntness to come out and basically say Phil Dracovic is just garbage to us was kind of stunning. And it, it kind of just shows the way that a lot of people think right now. It, it was the reality of it. It was just people were surprised that he was that honest. Yeah, I think they were. But, I mean, what else are you supposed to say? I mean, he isn't very good i think they realized that throughout the game they're like we put a little bit of pressure on him he'll just make a mistake and he did like a good quarterback would have made that throw to bub means right a good quarterback would be able to lead their offense against them but the fact that like a secondary that was one of the worst last season they were one of the worst and they're just being like yeah he stinks that's not very good because you're playing better and better teams the rest of the schedule i think that's the biggest problem for pit fans right now Cincinnati just lost Miami of Ohio at home in overtime. That's okay. a max school. I mean, I remember everyone remembers the West Michigan loss against Pitt, but yep. at least Pitt won the AC title that year. I don't think Cincinnati's going to win the Big 12. I don't think West, West Virginia has an even shot in hell of winning the Big 12. Right? So that's why Pitt fans are so mad because these games are probably a lot more winnable than some of the games they have down the road. Instead of going into this UNC game 3-0, both teams, that would be a big primetime matchup. You're 1-2, looking at 1-3 for the first time in a long time. I can't remember the last time Pitt was 1-3. And, and that's embarrassing. I mean, they are, the Pitt fans don't think they're going to win another game this season. I mean, I, 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 I might just – I might start asking Pitt fans, do you think if Phil starts every game the rest of the season that they'll win a game? I, I think a lot of people would say no. Uh, that's embarrassing. Luck of the draw, they might get one. It, maybe, but – I don't think Virginia Tech or Boston College are much worse. Louisville? I don't think they can be any worse. I can't. I, I, is Pitt going to go into Blacksburg primetime with Phil Dracovic under center and beat Virginia Tech? No. Who aren't that good of a team really either. They're also one and two. They just got spanked by Rutgers. A, not really a big football school there. But they just got beat up down there. So, I mean, I just – I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Well, I guess I kind of do. But I, I, I don't know. It's not looking very good, Austin. So, Dom, in the event that Phil Dracovic does hit the bench at some point, Pat Narduzzi makes the move, what comes next? Well, Christian Vayner is the backup, so I'm assuming he would be in. He did play against Wofford at the end of it. Um, maybe it's something better. If, if Christian Vayner can throw the ball, like just complete some passes, be a game manager, 
this offense should be somewhat successful. I mean, they've had uh, they've the offensive line has not been very good in pass protection, but I think with a more confident quarterback, defenses aren't going to be so aggressive in throwing all these defensive players right at at, at the pit quarterback. Right? If, if Christian get a ball off quickly and start making some quick pass, cheap throw like like short throws, checkdowns, whatever, then that you have to start respecting that. That allows more time for the offense to flourish either with a run or you're throwing the ball. But if they think that Phil's just going to make a mistake, they're just going to throw everyone at him. Be like, okay, hope for the best. Unless, good luck. Yeah, good luck. I mean, the offensive line hasn't done good enough, but like, no. I guess it doesn't help with Ryan Jacoby being out for the season at left guard and Jason Collier, who's a fifth-year guy, but has really never played. He's never really had serious time playing. Um, and Matt Gonzalez went down last week. So that means redshirt freshman Ryan Bear, who has never really played either, might be starting left tackle. Now, granted, Matt Gonzalez might just come back, but – you know, you have you're again very thin on the O line to some extent, and you're asking a lot out of like. And BJ Williams started one game, like he might start again, and but he's still a true freshman. He's a very he's a true freshman himself, like true freshman on the offensive line. Like that's not a thing that we've, we've seen from Pitt the last few seasons. So maybe he will be good, but as a true freshman, you're you're gonna have to be patient and wait for him to develop. And against a better defense in UNC than they were, a far better defense than they were last year. I, I just. It's not very fun. You're getting fifth-year seniors that are kind of inexperienced and true freshmen trying to mix in, in yeah, the fold yeah. here. I mean, they have Drake Cradle and Blake Zubovic, who are six-year guys, but there was one play against Cincinnati in which uh, Cradle just got pushed over. He got shoved to the ground, and then like he, Phil got sacked. So the only thing I will give Phil is that like he has taken some bad some sacks, but they really haven't been that bad. There's nothing he could have done. At the end of the game, like fourth down – Cincinnati sent an extra guy, I think a linebacker. He went untouched and just pummeled Phil, and that was the end of the game. Um, so from David Hale, he the stat is that Pitt has allowed pressure in 44.8% of its dropbacks when the defense did not bring an extra pass rusher, which is no blitz. So that's the worst mark in the country, and it's up 34% from last year. Wow. That's 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 bad. So if the offensive line cannot improve, I don't know how much better Christian Bayer or Nate Yarnell, who's a third-string quarterback, could can really do. I, you got to be able to throw the ball a little bit. You need some time for your quarterbacks to throw the ball. Although Phil hasn't, regardless if there's been pressure or no pressure, his throwing mechanics are all over the place, I suppose. We're with Dominic Campbell here, my coworker, my guy from Pittsburgh Sports Now. All right, Dom. Gavin Bartholomew has disappeared. Is this, <laughs> is this like, yeah, I might have to put him on the milk cartons, take him out of witness protection program, pull out a bolo, put him on a billboard. Where is this guy? I think he's one of the best tight ends in the entire country. And Frank Signetti in the offense, maybe it's Phil Dracovic. They're not getting him involved whatsoever. Well, then Cincinnati, he had two big catches. I think he had a – well, he had one big catch for 76 yards. And then and then after that, 76 yards? It was, it was a big catch, like 60 yards. And he got close to the end zone, and they scored a touchdown on the drive. And then the next, play, next drive, he didn't even play. And then last week, like – he hardly had anything. I don't think he had many catches at all. I think he had two grabs, but still, he led the team in receiving yards. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and I'm saying that he wasn't even like around on the field. Yeah. Maybe that's um, more towards Jerkovic, but I mean, Bartholomew's a weapon. I think he could be a, like the fifth or sixth best tight end in the country. I'm not, you know, but by what we've seen off of him from last year and his just whole entire pit career, the body of work is there that he is that type of player who can be a stud. If you put him at the next level in the right system, I think he could ball out. I'm not saying he's going to be 
Travis Kelsey or even Pat Fryermuth, but he's a weapon. Yeah. I mean, Pitt's got a lot of weapons. They have a really good freshman class as well that we don't even know what they're doing. I mean, they have Kenny Johnson, who's a freshman wide receiver, and he's playing as a he's doing kickoff returns. But I thought this would be a fun year. You have some guys that have a bit more experienced, like Kanata Mumfield and Bub Means, just be more experienced, and bringing Dejon Reynolds from Florida. So you have some SEC experience there. And then you have younger guys, and you have Gavin Bartholomew, and then Carter Johnson as well as a weapon. Like, I was excited to see what they all could do this season. And now it's like, no one's doing anything. <laughs> no. It's just awful to watch. It's, just, it's awful to watch. Like, I could imagine being a, a fan at these games, paying money and watching this garbage dis- display of offense, execu- offensive execution. And the lack of rhythm between quarterback and wide receivers is embarrassing. Worse than last season. Really, it's even worse than last season, which is a bad thing. Yeah, I talked to a friend of mine who's a grad student, like literally right after the brawl. I was like, you know, you want to go to North Carolina? He was like, dude, I don't even know if I can go and sit through it. Like, yes. and I know a lot of pit people I've talked to kind of did the same thing. They don't know. It was a battle of average West Virginia and Pitt. And it's something that obviously you want it to be such a highly enhanced game, better than just two teams that one might finish at the bottom of the, around the bottom of the ACC, the other who likely will finish at the bottom of the Big 12. But now we look at North Carolina. Drake May is coming to town. He might be the number two pick in the draft. What does North Carolina put on tape that you've seen? Uh, well, they almost lost Appalachian State at home, so I guess if Pitt's looking at that, I mean, maybe they'll take something from that. But I don't know. I think Appalachian State could probably be Pitt at this point. Um, <laughs> home or away. But, I, I mean, they're still a good team. I think as long as Drake May's there, like he threw five touchdowns against Pitt last year. I read that Kalaja Kansi did go off. I think he was – ejected at some point in that game so like he drake may did really well in the end but he was like 34 for 44 which is like a ridiculous stat line against the pit defense is generally pretty solid um but i mean they're, they're still good they beat minnesota pretty easily at home last weekend they're still good I, they're much better than pit i think their their momentum is behind them especially with the win last week um they had to struggle against Appalachian State, but they won in the end, and that's still important. Even if you aren't playing well, you still got to get the win in the end. Pitt hasn't done that this year. So, you know, they're still a good team, and I'm excited to see what they can do because, well, I don't know what Pitt's going to do. I suppose I should be excited to see what Pitt is going to do, but what have we seen from Pitt this year? That would be interesting. But I can't believe this game is prime time, man. Come I know. On. Another one. As soon as I saw the t- the time analysis, I was like, oh, man. I mean, it's another chance for Pitt to be in front of the – Pretty much, I mean, kind of national audience, I guess. ACC Network, like, are people really going to tune into that game if you want to watch it, if you're not just a Pitt, North Carolina fan compared to the other games that are on? Yeah, I wouldn't watch it. I think there's so many other good games on. I mean, it's really just going to be Pitt and North Carolina fans. But I guess that's why they put it at eight. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, Whatever. It's it's not going to be fun. I'll tell you that. Who are some players to watch on the other side of North Carolina that could go off or that Pitt needs to try to neutralize? I mean, Kaiman Rucker is third in the, the ACC with a uh, 5.5 tackles for loss. Um, he also has two sacks on the year. Uh, I'm trying to look at some other players that are really good. Um, they have some good defensive backs. Uh, Elijah Huzzy and Marcus Allen are two pretty good players. Um, they both have three passes defended. Uh is good. I mean, obviously Drake May, we just spoke about him. He's second in the ACC right now um, with 297 yards per game throwing the ball. Uh, Phil is throwing 158, so that's half of it. Um, 
Um, JJ Jones is like has been pretty decent, and uh, a Kobe Pace or are be pretty interesting to see in the receivers because I need to have a lot of new receivers if I'm not mistaken. But they were so bad defensively last year. Um, like I think they were the, they had the most yards given up per game, and they just got absolutely outclassed by Clemson. Which is why I think a lot of probably Pitt fans last year were like, well, if we had a decent offense, we probably could have taken it to a a pretty okay Clemson team in the ACC title game. But oh well, I mean, I don't know. I think they'll be good. I, I don't think they're the best team I've ever seen. I don't think they're as good as like Florida State is, but they're, they're better than Pitt. <laughs> Marion Hampton, three hundred yards rushing this year, hundred yards a game, of six touchdowns on the season. All right, for Pitt. Who are some guys that you just have your eye on other than Phil Dracovic? Will Rodney Hammond get the ball in the second half? It seems like Pitt's really done something a lot differently in terms of the running back position where they're trying to get two, maybe three guys so heavily involved. And instead of the, the days where James Conner was the featured back, even Izzy last year, a bit of Kanda before the Jets picked him. I mean, we saw a lot of Rodney Hammond, but. It was pretty much Izzy's show, especially that one game he ran for what four hundred yards, like yes, yeah, school record, three, more than three hundred yards against Virginia Tech, uh, tied the season, tied the single game record as well for six rushing touchdowns, which is a ridiculous stat line. But yeah, you, I mean, this season they have three running backs. They have they are Roddy Hammond, Sebo Flemister, and Daniel Carter. They seem to be running them at different times of the game. I'm not exactly sure why they're running at the different times of the game. Um, but Rodney Hammond was a beast. He had like seven rushes for 47, 41 yards the first drive. Uh, I, I don't know why he got like, what, just seven more touches the rest of the game after that first drive, which is pretty embarrassing. He should be getting more. We talked to him today, and he's like, oh, it's okay, you know, for the better of the team. And I'm like, dude, you can just tell us you want to run the ball more. Like, it's okay to just – but obviously he's not going to. He's not going to tell the media, like, oh, I don't like what Frank Signetti's doing. <laughs> is it a Frank Signetti problem, or is it an offensive line also not being able to create? Because – They've been all right with the running game. They, they they did pretty well to start out with. I I just they just kind of I I don't know. Like they didn't even run. They, if they would have thrown a ball here and there, they might have caught West Virginia off a little bit. But they didn't. You don't score that touchdown. It's like that's the end of the game. It, it just kind of like I think Pitt was going to lose after that drive. It, unfortunately, it just seemed like that because it was I like, mean, well, if you're not going to score a touchdown, I mean, like Djokovic gets so much hate mail, and I mean. A lot of it is rightfully so, but it's not like the offensive line has been necessarily so good in pass protection for him. A lot of that also is probably him holding the ball too long, but I feel it's a combination of really all the above, where Djokovic obviously being point of emphasis number one, and Frank Signetti factored in there too, but the offensive line has not assisted pretty much at all in helping this offense whatsoever. Yeah, like we just said, I mean, there's they're just thin, a lot of depth issues there, not a lot of experience, even though they do have a lot of experienced players. I don't know. It just hasn't. Been, it's not been acceptable, and I, I think they can't do this against North Carolina. You gotta just be better. I don't know how to. I'm not the offensive line coach. Not Dave Borberly. I'm not an offensive line guru. But you gotta just play better. You gotta give Phil or whoever's back there more time. If you're not, it doesn't matter who's gonna throw the ball because they're not gonna do well. Well, someone who does deserve our time talking about them is Donovan McMillan. Yep. Eighteen tackles. Yes. Nine solo too. Nine. Well, nine by himself, which is pretty man. impressive. 18 tackles, nine solo against West Virginia. I mean, that guy pretty much saved what could have been like four other touchdowns that West Virginia potentially could have scored. Like, he was the last line of defense, and he looked like Minka Fitzpatrick back there, old reliable, making the tackle and preventing a bigger play than what already was. Yeah, I mean, 
defensive backs that can tackle are incredibly important. I think people don't recognize a stat for tackles as much as they should because, you know, when the linebacker, if the defensive line, the linebacker is under the running back, you, you need your defensive backs to get them. And Donovan was there, you know, he was ready to get them all the time. And those 18 tackles are the second most in a game under Pat Narduzzi. Only Matt Galambos with 19 against Navy in 2015 is more. So 18 tackles in a backyard brawl is pretty impressive. Um, he has a lot of, he's a wrestling background and he was, he's been able to, you can see the way he tackles, he's able to scoop guys up and just take them down. Um, incredibly great game for him and the Peters township guy. So Whitfield guy played at Florida last two seasons. He's back here. I mean, Hey, if you're making a name for yourself right now, you got one more season. I can't imagine if he doesn't keep playing so well that he'll be, the NFL teams will come looking at him really. I mean, like if you're this good of a tackler, I, I'll be excited to see what he can do in coverage against Drake may this weekend, but. I mean, he did a great job last week and can't, can't give him enough credit for the game he played. And he went from a backup, probably because he was a newer guy in the system, giving the benefit of the doubt to some of the guys who've been in the pit program. But he's he's worked his way there, man. He's fought his way to the starting role. He's officially the starter on the two deep now on the pit depth chart and factoring in with some of the other guys in that secondary, which if you look at it, Pitt has such a better secondary than I think a lot of teams – in the ACC, McMillan factoring in with that. And that's probably one of the main reasons why I feel not as horrible against this North Carolina team and Drake May, just because he's going to he's going to hit his shots. May is going to hit a lot of big plays. It's going to happen because that guy's just that good. But comparatively speaking, the pick secondary is pretty solid too, where they can limit some big plays. Well, yeah, I mean they still have really experienced guys and like MJ Devonshire, fifth year guy, then Marquez Williams, both cornerbacks are six year guy. He's a six year guy. So they have some experience there. Then, I mean, Javon McIntyre is his first year starting and he's now at free safety after being at strong safety. Um, PJ O'Brien or Philip O'Brien Jr. Um, was injured last week. That's why Donovan McMillan got that started at uh, strong safety. So we'll see Javon McIntyre at free safety, but he's been pretty good too. He did pretty well in the Sun Bowl. And after that, basically with Eric Hallett and uh um Eric Hallett and uh Brandon Hill going to the NFL, they both he basically solidified his position as a safety. So I'm excited to see what they can do with a much more intelligent and better passing attack from North Carolina than what we've seen the last two weeks or three weeks really. So I mean it'll be their chance to, to prove it. And the thing is, if the defense is pretty well in this game, it's close. I mean, the offense is bad. The booze will be, Boo City will exist. It will be Boo City, as Pat said. It, w- it really will be. Like if the defense is really well, they hold Drake May. They're dominating. They're dominating at the line. They're forcing bad throws. I mean, that's what Pitt fans want to see anyway. People around here love the good defense because the good defense is fun to watch. But the offense is terrible again. <laughs> Man, all right, Dom. Over under one and a half. Boo City shirts that we see uh, that somebody sees posts on social media at the stadium. Right, uh, so, at least at least two. There's got to be more than that. Boo City. I mean, people are, people are a lot. That's just one of the weirdest quotes I've ever heard from Pat. There's I haven't seen them yet. I mean, it's almost it's almost October. Yeah, ha- Halloween. Get the shirts out. Get the Boo <laughs> shirts. Would you buy a Boo City shirt? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't Man, <laughs> I want to see them. I want to see what some type of mock-up design would look like for that. We need like the, uh, the the guys that sell Steelers shirts, like the cheap ones, the like the fake ones, essentially. We need those guys to start making some Boo City shirts and selling them. They would sell like t- those so easily. It would be so funny. 
I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to see who potentially might be cooking something up uh, for these some of these local T-shirt stores that I go to and people that I know there and see if anything's going up for a Boo City shirt. It just sounds so dumb to talk about, but that's the point that we're at with this team right now, honestly, where Djokovic can't find anything. The defense is okay, but it's just a whole collection of nothingness, the hodgepodge of nothingness on the offensive side of the ball, right? Like Dennis Eckersley style, I guess, where – I mean, nothing Nothing works. You run the ball a little bit, you find success. They take that away. You can't throw the ball. And, I mean, what makes Drake May so special? Because there's going to be a clear, clear difference between Drake May and Phil Dracovic once they hit the field at Agresher Stadium. I mean, he's just a good thrower of the ball. He's completed 74 of 102 passes this season. I mean, I think I'd like to see him throw a little less interceptions because he's thrown four and he's thrown four touchdowns, so – Touchdown interception ratio, not great. Yeah, but he's not afraid to take a shot. He's not afraid to throw the ball down the field, and maybe he'll fail. But the difference is, is like when you are confident in your throws, you're confident with your receivers. Defensive defenses notice that, so they're going to be more on alert. But when like Phil throws the ball downfield, it's like, oh, okay, like or just like, oh, this is going to be a bad throw. I know that's happening. Like sometimes it's good, but it's more often than not. Or there's a defensive back standing there. Yeah, so like. Drake's a good – he's a confident guy. He'll do pretty well. I mean, it should, it'll be interesting to see the game. I mean, maybe Pitt pulls it off, but I I don't know. It doesn't look like they will. I can't believe they're only a 5.5 underdog. I'm surprised, most people are probably going to take the over on that, I think. Probably. All right, Dom, final thoughts. What are your expectations? What, what do you think the score might be? Do you even want to think about what the score might be at this point? I mean, I haven't made a prediction or – really stamp my name to anything yet, but I don't think it's going to be good for Pitt. Yeah, I'm thinking like 27, 34 to 10. Then Pitt might score a touchdown, but 34 to 10 probably in UNC win. So you don't think that we might see one of these surprising Pitt victories where they overcome all this adversity and surprise everybody? No, not with Phil starting the whole game. I mean, granted... Pat's a secretive guy. As much as people might think that we don't ask him questions about tough stuff, like I can't ask him about injuries. He doesn't want to tell us about them because no college coach does. And if we ask him who's a starting quarterback, he's just going to be like, well, Phil's great. So there's no, <laughs> I don't want to ask him any more questions about Phil. So I'm not going to ask him if Christian's starting. He will, we will find out that he's probably starting Saturday night. Do you think that is partly because he doesn't want to, you know, tick off any, potential whippeal player that wants to come back to the city or any grad transfers that might want to play, especially at the quarterback position that think they're coming in as the starter, like Phil did. Well, the stats show that Phil's not good. I think if any recruit was concerned about that, even though there's not really a lot of great whippeal quarterbacks, I mean, Julian Duggar is going to go to Pitt, yep. but we'll see if he plays quarterback. I mean, he's not a bad quarterback. He's pretty good. I mean, whippeal guy, he wants to play for Pitt. That's who you want. But the problem is, is like, Phil's a Whippeal guy, but this is 23, 24 now. I mean, like, we're not, it's not high school. We're not right out of high school anymore. You, you got to start playing like a grown man. You're going to try to go to the NFL. But I don't think Whippeal kids are going to be like concerned because, I mean, he's not been well. He's not been good. And this is Signetti's guy. He's not, like, that's, that's why he's here. So it's all because Pat doesn't really worry about the offense much. So it's on Frank Signetti to get things going. Dominic Campbell, Pittsburgh Sports Now. Man, I appreciate your time. I can tell how much this is 
consumed you as a pit <laughs> alum and um how man i said eight and four potentially nine and three at the beginning of the season they sure ain't gonna hit nine and three uh eight and four is also in doubt this might be a six and six type of pit team which would be very discouraging to everyone in the masses that ever could have thought that Pitt was going to be so much better. It just seems like that 2021 ACC championship game is just so far away now. It's like a far-flung memory. And it should have been a building block for Pitt to become a better program down the road, and it just seems like it hasn't. And that's the most disappointing thing. I think Pat has established a good defense. He has he has the, def- the assistant coaches to build a good defense, and they've done that. But offensively, it's just been an incredible disappointment. He needs to find a better OC. I just don't think Frasing Eddie ha- Jr. has at this point. I-, I don't think he can do well in this offense. Will he fire in midseason? No, but next season we need something better. I don't want to look to next season when we're only four ga- three games in, but I'm going to do that instead. I'm surprised you're giving them a 6-6 six and six record. Some people don't think they'll even make a bowl game. So, Well, I mean, if, if you look, they've won one game. That's nice. They're going to pull – I think they'll beat Louisville at home. Wake Forest, I don't know. But uh, – Boston College, if Phil Dracovic plays the Boston, what if they just put Christian Vieira out there for the rest of the year and then have Phil Dracovic just play the Notre Dame and Boston College games, their Phil Dracovic revenge games? That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah, maybe six. That'd be six. pretty, pretty intense with their final home game if he was still starting. I think it would be pretty empty. Um, it would. It would be pretty empty on a Thursday night. So. Yeah, maybe six and six is a little bit too optimistic. I guess. <laughs> well, the way it's going, yeah. Time will tell. Dominic Campbell, appreciate your time, man. All right. Thanks, Austin. Always great talking to you. Here on Panthers Pathway, episode number four. It's Pitt, North Carolina. North Carolina, seven and a half point favorites. Entering the day on Saturday at home, Akersher Stadium, week four, eight o'clock on the ACC Network. This is Panthers Pathway on the Pitt Talk Network, a part of the Fan First Network. Pitt, North Carolina, Tar Heels are ranked. What will happen? Phil Dracovic, will he start? How long will he play? Will he play the whole game? A lot to talk about the remainder of the week here on Panthers Pathway. Hope you enjoy. Talk to you soon.